Revelation chapter 4, picking it up in verse 1. Now, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on that throne, and he who sat on it was like jasper or white, and sardis like red stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and on those thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of the Lord. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne, around the throne, were four living creatures full of eyes front and back. And the first living creature was like a lion, the second was like a calf, the third was like the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, having six wings, were full of eyes all around. And they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. And whatever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their, throne, their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we look into the throne room, and we thank you, Lord, what you are about to accomplish, the saving of your church, and Lord, the restoration of the nation of Israel, to once again, Lord, bring hope to them through Jesus. And so, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, for the last time, we are going to show you this slide. How easy is it to understand Revelation? It's very easy. It's right there on the screen. Revelation 1, verse 19, write the things which you've seen. So we went through chapter 1. We just accomplished going th uh, through the things which are the seven letters to the seven churches or church history. And now notice the things which will take place. Look at verse 1 after this. And so John the Revelator, by the Spirit, gives us an easy understanding of the book of Revelation. So at this point, as we're going to see, the church is, I'm just going to mention, we'll come back to the church is gone. We will not see the church till the end of the book of Revelation, and God is going to now deal with the nation of Israel and the Christ-rejecting world. What does that look like on the timeline? Well, this is just so you can understand so again, we have that first coming of Christ. Christ came in between the first coming of Christ and the rapture, roughly right now. We're getting close to it, about 2,000 years. When we get to 2033, oh, I hope not. 
That's roughly 3233 is about 2,000 years since Jesus, uh, uh, you know, left um, after his three and a half year ministry, crucified in the tomb, resurrected, and then going home. And then he said, uh, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. That word receive is our word rapture as well um, unto myself. So for 2,000 years, we have, we are in this church age, the age of grace. It's interesting. I'm not going to get into it today. We might get into it next week. But there's a passage where it says uh, Jesus was going to the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says after two days, he left his, uh, the idea was the, the group, the apostles, and he took the three with him. And I, I think that's interesting because everything in the Bible has some kind of meaning. And a day is like, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years to us. Am I date setting? No. But it is quite interesting that Jesus would make this point in the gospel that after two days, he would be gone. And who is he going to see? Moses and Elijah. Am I the only one that thinks that's uh, pretty amazing? Did you guys not have coffee today? What happened? (laughs) Stop thinking of Mother's Day brunch. Focus for a little bit. It's only a little bit. And so he's going to see Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. And the idea is that he is dealing with Israel once again after this period of time. It, it, It fascinates me that God has this ordered plan of events. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen. And at that moment, at verse 1, we're going to see, we're going to, uh, verse 1 and 2, we're going to see a trumpet, and then the church is going to exit this planet. Amen? So God has been dealing this age of grace, the age of the Gentile, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. When that is done, there is one last Gentile on planet earth. And when that person gets saved, it's done. There's no reason for us to be here anymore. Isn't that great? Listen, if you're sitting here and you're not saved, could you please raise your hand so we may tackle you? (laughs) We're going to tie you up and then you are going to give your life to Jesus. Guys, wouldn't that be exciting if you were in a service and someone gets saved and you're like, boom. Oh, got everybody going, huh? I have been threatening for years to play a trumpet blast. <laughs> I have a, a pastor friend of mine, Mike. He was uh, the youth pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. He was going through the book of Revelation with his high school students. And so all the high school students were in the, the auditorium there, and they were just sitting there. It was a time of worship, so, you know, it was just ending. It was that sweet time. He comes in the, black, uh, in the back. The kids don't see him, and he blows this trumpet as loud as he, and everybody were like, we're all saved now. (laughs) My question today, starting out this whole message, is who is on your throne? Is it Jesus, or is it you? Because we will see today that God is on the throne no matter what is going on on planet earth, no matter what circumstance, no matter what kind of virus gets released from China or Russia or from America. 
No matter what is happening with our economy, no matter what the persecution is, are you ready to exit planet Earth? Now, people look at us and go, you just want to escape. Yes! (laughs) Who in their right mind? Listen, when we get into chapter 6, we will start this progression into the tribulation period. We're not there. In fact, we're going to take a fun detour in Ezekiel 36, 37, and 38, and because that is going to start the tribulation period. The exodus of the church does not start the tribulation period. If you have thought that in the past, sorry, that's a wrong view. That does not start the tribulation. It is the seven-year peace treaty uh, that happens after the Magog invasion uh, with Israel. Remember, God is dealing with the nation of Israel. That is his primary goal through this seven-year period that we're about to start, uh, not next week either. We'll be in chapter 5. You're going to learn some worship songs in heaven next week. But after that, starting chapter 6, we're going to see that tribulation period. But for us, we are finally out of here. Verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. Again, so from Revelation 1, 19, this is, the, this is uh, there. It tells us the timeline of Revelation, and the after this is now this section. And I want you to note this because you will not find the church at, uh, mentioned in Revelation until we get to the end of of the book of Revelation. So the church is gone out of the way. God is going to start dealing with the nation of Israel. He will pour out his his judgment and his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. Notice with me, I don't know if you've got a different version. Uh, My my app here, I can scroll through different versions. And I like that the, uh, the New Living Translation puts, come up here, I will show you what must happen after this in red letters. The King James, or what I use as a teaching, the New King James does not. But the New Living does. It is Christ telling us to come up. Get out of there because I am about to do something and accomplish something on planet Earth that the Earth has been waiting for. So before we get into a glimpse of heaven, we need to see who is in control, do we not? Now, I want you to think about this in the day in which we are living. We, we are, I mean, I, I'm glad 2020 is over with. We're almost halfway through 2021, right? A lot has gone on, and it is very easy to think, okay, God, were you on vacation? Who is in control right now? And I want you to know it's not a Republican. It's not a Democrat. It's not an Independent. It's not the European Union. It's certainly not Bill Gates. He's got his own issues coming up. Right? It's not some secret society that is holding every the Illuminati or whatever new group of people are out there. It is one and one alone. It is God in three persons, and we have this glimpse of it. So let's dive into it, and let's take a look at it. It says, immediately, verse 2, what does immediately mean? 
It means like, okay, when God tells you to do something, you kind of do it. And if he says, come up here, you kind of come up here. He says, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat on it was like Jasper and Sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now, there is a debate whether this is the father sitting on the throne or the son that is sitting on the throne. Now, because we know that the Bible tells us that the father is in spirit, right, and he doesn't take on a form, it might lead us to believe that this is Christ who is sitting on the throne. Does it matter? Thank you. I need to say this from the outset as we journey through this next section of Revelation. There are going to be things that I'm going to be able to communicate to you very clearly, and then there are things I'm going to go, I don't know. Isn't that helpful? We'll know when we're standing there. People get so wrapped up in, well, I got to know. Now, you don't need to got to know. Soon we're going to be known as he is known. Soon we're going to get it all. We're like, I knew it was Jesus on the throne. I knew it. We're going to stand there and nothing of this world is going to matter. The Bible studies that we went through aren't going to matter. It's him. It's the word. It's the logos standing in front of us. And I want you to see this scene because what this heavenly scene does is it allows us to forget everything that we just lived on planet earth all of the things that we thought mattered right don't matter at all because the one who is sitting on the throne is like jasper and sardis stone now again a lot of people want to f- try to figure this out find the hidden meaning i'm going to give you uh, at least one thought of it when we get there like yep that's what it was jasper this idea of, and A lot of these stones that are in Revelation, uh, the translation isn't really the the word that we know in English. And some of them are hard to translate. And some of the stones are even hard to uh, recognize and understand. But this one is a clear stone or pure stone or a white stone. And the idea, he who sits on the throne is pure and holy. But notice the next one that is Sardis, that is red. What describes Jesus better than purity and red? The blood of the lamb. Notice it's in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in the appearance of an emerald. So it's not the rainbow that we know. It's <laughs> and it, This isn't the Wizard of Oz emerald either. This is, look, what we're about to see John is trying his very best to communicate in in human words. Does everybody got that? And he's going to try to communicate something, and it's like, John, I get it, but I don't get it. And he's going to go, yeah, you should have been here when I was here because I don't know what that looks like or what that, but it's got eyes all around. You know, it's how are we trying to communicate something um, through the Spirit? 
And so he's doing his best. What is this rainbow around that is like an emerald? What does the green represent? I don't know. I know what the rainbow represents. What does the rainbow represent from Genesis? God told man. He gave man a promise. He gave it to Noah. He said, Noah, I will not destroy mankind, the world, with a flood of water ever again. Now, he never mentioned fire because that's coming. This earth will burn and melt away with the fervent heat. Peter tells us that. But it is a promise, and I like that even in heaven we see the promise of God. In fact, we're going to see through the book of Revelation that Jesus is still bears the mark of his crucifixion for an everlasting reminder and a promise of his grace and his mercy towards us and the church. And so, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. So, who are the 24 um, elders? I don't know. Don't you love that? (laughs) Does it matter? Does it matter? No. Who are they? I don't know. Uh, A lot of people think that there are 12 patriarchs from the Old Testament or 12 people of notable stature in the Old Testament, 12 of the apostles uh, from the New Testament. But if that was the case, John would be like, hey, I'm on the throne. Do you see that? Sometimes you just got to use a little. So who is it? I don't know. All I know is they're representing humanity. They are not angels. These are humans. And they're going to show us what worship looks like in heaven. And so there were 24 thrones. And on those thrones, I saw 24 elders Notice they were clothed in white robes, so purity, they are pure at this point. We are changed, right, in the image of Christ. We have different bodies that won't sin. Can I get an amen? We won't sin. We are clothed in his righteousness, white robes. Then we have crowns of gold, or they have crowns of gold on their head. We're going to see... Um, how important these crowns really are to them in a minute. And from the throne proceeds lightning, thunder, and voices. Now, we had just finished uh, Hebrews chapter 12 when we were, when the writer of the Hebrew was telling the Hebrews that were wanting to go back into the old system, and he brought back <laughs> Uh, Mount Sinai, and he said, listen, when, when Moses was on the mountain uh, and God was speaking to him, you said, I don't want to hear that ever again. Two million plus people heard the voice of God. They heard the thundering and the lightning. Moses comes down and he said, we don't want to do that ever again. Here's the deal. You, God talks to you. You listen. You, we, we listen to you. It was so impactful that even Moses, remember that from Hebrews 12, said that he was afraid and was trembling. But it says that from there proceed lightning, thunders, and voices. Guys, what 
is heaven going to sound like? Maybe you've got a little hearing issue today. Maybe you're, you're a seasoned citizen and your hearing is diminishing and you need some kind of device in your ear. Uh, you're not going to need that. What is it like? You ever been at a, a conference or, a, you know, a men's conference, a women's conference, and it's, it's a lot of people, you know, a couple hundred, five hundred a thousand people, and they're all worshiping the Lord at the same time. And how awesome that is just to hear that sound. Now imagine a billion. What is that sound, what is that going to be like? What is it going to be like to have a transformed body that will not have sin, not have any problems that I knew before, not have any worry, not have any pain, not have any tear, and just simply hear and see. I, I feel like we should just all sit down and rest right now. When you think of heaven and you look at these things, do you really, I mean, you just have to stop and you go, Lord, A, you're so good that I get in. And B, if I had not have a transformed body, my head would explode for what I, have, what I am seeing right now. And you and I will see that for all eternity. You're not going to get bored like, oh, it's the same worship song. Yes, good, good father. <laughs> Can't we come up with another one? It, nothing is going to be like that. No one is going to be bored. How can you be bored when you see what you see just in these verses? Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes, front and back. So whatever this is, however um, you know, big it is and huge and immense whatever this is, there is a sea of glass like crystal, crystal clear, right? But you can stand on it, and it says that around in the midst of the, uh, let me say that, in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes front and back. What does that mean? I have no idea. You're like, I could have came a couple of weeks from now. (laughs) Notice what these creatures are described as. Verse 7. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Now this description in verse 7 parallels the way that Christ is represented in the Gospels. And when we dive into a new Gospel at that time, in an introduction, I usually go through these, that Matthew is depicting Jesus as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, or the King of Kings. And that's his description, because he is writing from a Jewish perspective to a Jewish audience. And so that is represented here. But also Mark shows us the servanthood of Jesus. He is the calf or the ox. Remember, an ox is a serving animal. 
Its job is to serve its master. Luke describes Jesus as the man, the humanity of Jesus. More than any writer, Luke describes the humanity of Jesus, or in his favorite title, the Son of Man. Lastly, John always shows us that he is the Son of God, the divinity of God, how important it is that John points out that he is the eagle that soars above all. And so these first living creatures were like a lion and like a calf and like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like an eagle. What is trying to be communicated here? I don't know. How many times did I say that today? Anyone marking it down? <laughs> Listen, if somebody tells you for certain they know what it is, they don't know what it is. I remember I was talking about this uh, in a Bible study about, oh, I can't remember. If it was some, some form of Bible prophecy. And people want to be dogmatic about this and that, and that's what it, it, no one really knows what this means. Is it a representation of the full picture of Christ around the throne? Could be. What are the eyes? I don't know. I'm, I know when I'll know when I'm standing there. And God will let me know, and he'll let you know what it means when we're standing there. You're like, ah, I got it. The four living creatures, having six wings, they were full of eyes all around and within. And they did not rest day or night. And notice the song that they sing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And notice, whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast down their thrones before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created. So when these living creatures who are around the throne, again, a picture of the gospel, possibly, when they sing their song, the 24 elders who are around that, they get up, they take off their crowns, right? And they worship him. They fall down before him who sits on the throne. Uh, throne. We're going to see this throwing of our crowns is going to be a regular thing in in heaven. Think about this. We work so hard for gold on planet earth. Do we not? Is everything about gold, about getting, about money? We work so hard for the very thing that we're going to throw. When the new Jerusalem gets created, we'll see that at the end of the book of Revelation. We're going to see that the streets are paved with gold. The thing that we love the most here on planet Earth is asphalt in God's economy. What does that say? What does that say to us? That he is able to take care of us and that we are worrying about the very thing (laughs) that he paves the street. Now, I know what you're thinking. Can I get a little of that pavement before I leave? 
And whatever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him. Worship that he is worthy. They're going to sing in a minute of our praise. He is worth it. You get that? Worship, the word that we get, worship, that he is worth worshiping. Now, how do we know that he is worth worshiping? Well, what did we just do for the last three chapters of Revelation? We saw God's hand through the church over the last 2,000 years. We saw him giving the church an out, a visible out, that you will not go through uh, this time of Jacob's trouble. And so they throw down their crowns before the throne, and what do they say? You are worth it, Lord. What I think is important, I give to you. What the world says is important is not really important. It is what is important is you. You are worth, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you were you created how many things? All things. All things were created by him. And by your will they exist and were created. He is worthy to receive praise for what he did for us. Now, I know this is a little bit of a shorter message today. I know you're thinking, how is that possible? He'll make it up somewhere. Listen, through those seven letters of the seven churches, on average, those messages were over an hour. I applaud you for going through them with me. So a little breather here on a little bit shorter message. I'm not done, but I'm just telling you, it's a little shorter than normal, but I'm not done. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. I'm not done yet. (laughs) I want you to see this last verse 11. Let's just look at this for a minute before we leave. You are worth it, Lord. You're worth it. You're worthy of everything. When we come in on Sunday and you sit down, is he worth it to raise your voice and praise him? Listen, is he worth it for you to get yourself out of bed on a Sunday? Is he worth it to get yourself here on a midweek service after a tired work schedule? You're like, and the devil says, you know, you, you probably shouldn't go to church on the mid. Is he worth it to push through that so that you can be together with the body of Christ and to be encouraged and to see him, to hear from it? Is he worth it? Is he worthy? Not only that, to receive glory, the honor that he is due. Guys, we live in a world that we want the glory. We live in an entitlement generation. It's all about me. The social media proves that. We want our glory. We want our likes. We want our followers. We, 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 we want it all. But as a believer, we see who's really due all praise and all honor and all glory. And when we stand there, I'm going to do my best to put it in perspective for you. When we stand there, nothing will matter but him. He will have already wiped away your tear. (laughs) He will 
have crowned you with whatever he's going to crown you at the Bema seat. You've already had your little time with, with the Lord. I, by the way, not to go down this path, but just think about that. You get to have a personal one-on-one time with Jesus at the Bema seat. Now, it's going to be good for some, and some it's not going to be so good. And he's going to wipe away the tears. He's going to show you and I the times in which we failed. He's going to use his flame of fires. He's going to look at our pile, and it, 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 the wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn away, and what's going to be left is those precious jewels. What we did for Christ on this side of eternity really does matter. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't really care. I'm just happy to get a beanie hat in heaven and throw that down. But it does say crown, doesn't it? Whatever that looks like. And the other thing I like about heaven is you won't know that your crown is not bigger than the other person's crown. Amen? <laughs> There's no jealousy in heaven. There's no envy in heaven. I love the, the fact that you won't even know that yours is really small. <laughs> it won't, it's not going to, all of that's gone. The honor we think is now his honor, his power. Why? Listen, for you created all things. I am looking forward to hitting Genesis again. I don't know why I love Genesis, but I love Genesis. Anyone love Genesis? You all should. What are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I love Genesis because I love chapter 1. I love looking at the science of creation. I'm tired of people telling us that we don't believe in science. We believe in actual science that you can see and replicate. We actually know uh, <laughs> the definitions of words. And definitions of words really still do matter. And what does it mean for God that he created all things? And by your will, they exist and were created. Please note with me that God was, did not create us for any other purpose so that we would give him pleasure and that we not only would serve others, but that we would give glory to God. And you, know, you might think that that is, man, that is maniacal. Listen, again, when we stand in this chapter, and I can't wait for you to stand there, and you're like, woo! And if you don't know what's going on, in this chapter, when we're standing there, I want you not to be close to me. Be like, Lord, they're from Calvary Chapel, Wilmington. I don't know what happened. I taught them this chapter. They don't know what's going on. What's that? What's that? He says that you will, I'm sorry, by your will they exist and were created. We were created to worship God. We are worshiping beings. There is a hole in everybody's heart on planet earth, and they are filling it with everything but worship to God. And you are not going to be complete as a human being unless you are worshiping your creator. All right, here's my last point. How amazing and satisfying is it for your soul when you do worship God? When everything of the world goes away, and COVID, and elections, 
and you're just able to sit here and even the person next to you goes away. So I encourage you to learn the songs and close your eyes. Don't look around. Focus on Him. Because when you're sitting there and you're worshiping the Lord, everything just starts going away. And you start to realize why I was created. What is the purpose of life? How long has man been asking that question? Why are we here? I know. To praise and honor the Lord who created us. And I am amazed that he wants to hang out with us. That he likes us. I'm looking around the room. I mean, that's pretty amazing. What other group would be together? Don't you love the body of Christ? Every, I stand in the back on Sunday and Wednesday as everybody comes in the room. I just laugh. I go, Lord, I wouldn't be caught dead with these people in a room other than you. We have nothing in common. We have the blood of the lamb in common. We have this in common. And he who sat on the throne was like Jasper and Sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. We have him in common. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And we thank you for this image of heaven We thank you, Lord, that we are soon going to be there. We long, Lord, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord forever. Lord, we long to leave this world behind and the thoughts of it, the persecutions, the trials, the hurt, and the pain. We know, Lord, that you have created us for a purpose and a plan And Father, that we would worship you because you are worth it. You're worthy of all of our praise. Lord, let us have the proper perspective in the world in which we live in that wants everyone else to worship them and not the Creator God. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gift upon the cross, the empty tomb, We thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to the church. Lord, is that bright light upon the throne beaming, so too we would be a light in this world. Thank you, Lord, that we live in this time in which we live in and that we are given opportunities to proclaim the name of Jesus in a time in which the world so desperately needs to know that they are loved. Thank you again, Lord, for our time and those serving around the building. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.